What's up, everyone? We are back. It is good to be back after a week off due to illness. This is an episode that I was really excited to record, and I'm glad that I'm able to do it now. And I believe will actually be part of a series. There will be at least one more episode, maybe two more on this. And the format that we're going to be talking about is actually giving you a behind-the-scenes look into how I'm thinking about the planning and running of my business going into the last couple of months of 2023. And what I hope is this will be valuable to you so you can see how I apply some of the things that I teach in How to Work Less and talk about on this podcast to my own business so you can see how I kind of identify, okay, what are the problems, what's going on, getting kind of clarity on where I am with the business and figure out how to allocate what is essentially a very limited amount of time resource, my time, in order to get the best possible outcome. Because especially when you're talking about really, you know, ideally, I don't want to be working more than 20 hours a week. You have to be really strategic and focused about how you spend that time and how you deploy it in a way that makes sense. So I want to talk you through what this process looks like for me in my business so you can hopefully take it and apply it to yours. So You've heard me talk about this before, probably. I plan my year out in sprints. It's a term that I've kind of co-opted. What it basically means for me is three times a year, I sit down and I plan out two things. I plan out, one, what I'm going to do, and two, what I'm not going to do. And I believe both of those things are just as important. Um, The strategy is just as important as the boundaries around it. And the reason I split it up into three times a year is it is based on how my education business is structured. And right now we teach How to Work Less, which is my cohort-based course, three times a year. There are live cohorts in January, May, and September, which conveniently gives me three months of time in between each cohort to take on some new projects in a really kind of focused container and then when I'm doing the course, I'm only focused on teaching the course and nothing else. One of the reasons that I plan in sprints is a problem that I see plaguing people that I talk to, you know, when I've done coaching sessions, people that take the course, people I talk to online, which is, <laughs> in, in my opinion, an epidemic, which is shiny object syndrome. So just on a regular basis, as a result of being online and talking to people, like if you just scroll on Instagram or scroll on Twitter, um, or if you have other business owners or friends or whatever, you're going to get a ton of quote unquote good ideas for new things to focus on. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of times new ideas can be helpful for a business, but my experience has been that more often than not, If I let shiny objects run my business, I will never stay focused on one thing long enough in order to get the results. And one of the reasons I plan my business in sprints is this gives me the ability to appraise shiny objects in a more objective way where it's not so much like you just hear, oh, Rich, you need to get on, you know, whatever. I'll use LinkedIn as an example. You know, someone tells you, I'm killing it on LinkedIn right now. You need to get over there. It's literally free money. Okay. And then so often the FOMO kicks in and you're like, oh my God, I got to start with LinkedIn. And you end up doing that. And what you don't realize is you're abandoning other things that you've already committed to. So that's just an example. So one of the reasons I plan things in sprints is so that I can appraise all these shiny objects at once and decide, hey, which if any new things do I want to focus on? Which things am I doing right now that are really moving the needle that I want to double down on? And which things am I doing right now are not getting me the results that I want that I should be thinking about dropping and removing from my schedule? So the problem with shiny object syndrome is this mistaken belief that if something is new, it's going to be easier or more valuable than whatever you're already doing. And my experience has been more often than not, I get a lot more bang for my buck by just continuing to work on the things that are working as opposed to abandoning them to work on new stuff. So let's talk about the sprint process. I just wrapped up our fifth cohort of How to Work Less in September. And that means that I have the months of October, November, 
and December to do this final sprint of the year and decide what projects do I want to take on? What do I want to focus on? And then we'll do our sixth cohort in January of next year and the process will repeat itself. And as I talk about this sprint process, I'm going to be spending most of my time focused on the education business, which is called Work Less LLC. Um, it is what this podcast is housed under. It's what the course is housed under. It's where I'm spending most of my time right now. And one of the exercises that I'll talk about very soon, I have applied to my agency over and over again and have things really dialed in. Um, so it would not be nearly as interesting <laughs> to talk about my agency because it basically runs kind of on autopilot at this point. Now, it's as autopilot as it could be without the most important ingredient, which is some of my time. So like this past month, for instance, I worked 13 hours according to my time tracking running it, which was only about like 15 to 20% of my time. And the reason I'm able to do that is because I've built all of these systems and processes and templates. And I have this incredible roster of freelancers that I work with where most of the day-to-day the -day work is delegated. But the 13 hours that I do spend are really, really high value. There's no fat there. It's high-level design, strategy with clients, managing relationships, things like that. And you know, the same as 20... 21 and 2022 we're on track for mid six figures again which is awesome uh but there's just not that much to report there i'm not making any really new and exciting decisions with the agency so i want to talk about how to work less because it's probably more analogous to most of your businesses right now where i am still trying to figure things out and make decisions um, i consider my agency which has been in business for 10 years now kind of a mature business and if it ain't broke don't fix it so let's talk about the education side of things because that's really where I'm spending most of my time and energy right now because I believe that it does have the potential to become a much larger and, you know, for lack of a better term, passive, <laughs> quote unquote passive, nothing's really passive, business than, than my agency. And I'm just, I, I'm fired up about this business. So that's why we're going to talk about that as opposed to the agency. Um, my students in How to Work Less have seen kind of behind the scenes of what this planning process looks like for the agency. I, you know, I showed some like screenshots of this planning in one of our lessons on this topic. But let's talk about the freshest data from this business. Um, so real quick, I'm going to teach you this process for how I think about planning out a sprint. And most importantly, kind of what data do I look at? What am I paying attention to in my business in order to make decisions about what to do and what not to do? So today's lesson is really going to be focused on just how I get the lay of the land and understand where I am with my business and get clarity on what's working and what's not working and you know how I follow that process. And this is something that we teach in How to Work Less. Um, we actually go in depth on it. It's the second lesson. And I'm um, going to show you how I apply it because I really do walk the talk. Everything that I teach in how to work less, I do in my business because it works. And it's not so much like there is no destination. You never really arrive with these types of things. It's basically like the framework for how to make decisions and approach your business. It's not like about tricks or hacks that you just implement once so anyway real quick while we're while we're talking about how to work less we just wrapped up our fifth cohort in september best cohort to date in my opinion and i was just reading some of our student reviews and oh my god incredible reviews i'm super psyched about it um people have said one of the best investments i've made for my business hands down taking this course was the best decision i made all year um this one person was, I felt so stuck in my business and I was close to giving up. And this course gave me all the tools I needed to get unstuck. What else? I saw immediate ROI from the course within the first class. I immediately transitioned from working 10 hours a day to working five to six hours a day. Okay, what else? The investment is returned to you 10X through the value and insight Rich provides. This is the best course I've ever done. All the modules linked together to form a plan of action to take your business to the next level. This is a good one. Probably the most impacting education of my life. 
and this course paid for itself almost immediately. Uh, we're going to be posting all these new reviews. We use this awesome tool called testimonial.to to gather testimonials and feedback on the course. But needless to say, I'm fired up. We just wrapped this cohort and I haven't really been able to talk about it because I've been sick for so long. Um, but I do want to say if this sounds like something you'd be interested in and you are self-employed, do yourself a favor and hop on our VIP waitlist for our sixth cohort. That is going to be happening in January, right at the beginning of next year. It is honestly the best time to take this course, in my opinion. Everyone is always really, really fired up at the beginning of the year. Um, our cohorts are always awesome. And very soon we're gonna be offering a special early bird enrollment where you can save $1,000 off the course. So we give an incredible incentive to folks who enroll early. And I believe for cohort-based courses, it makes sense to kind of plan this stuff out in advance. Um, but you do need to be on our waitlist for this. So if you go to learn.howtoworkless.com, you can sign up for the VIP waitlist for cohort six, which starts in January. If you are into this podcast and what I talk about, we can apply these things to your business together as part of a community. And I think you'd really enjoy it. So anyway, that is my unintended ad <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Let's talk a little bit about my business and uh, how all this stuff fits together. Alrighty. So before I do anything else, when I'm thinking about planning a sprint, I need to get a lay of the land and really kind of just recalibrate my expectations through actual data and information to assess what's working and what's not working. And the way that I start that process is I do a financial analysis of the business. And the financial analysis of the business is not nearly as complicated as it would sound. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up right here so I can just look at it live. So the way that I generally do it is um, first I track, okay, what's the revenue for the year? So from all of my different um, products, things that we offer, which for this business are going to be the course, which is how to work less, um, coaching, private coaching, um, sponsorships of my newsletter, Work Less Wednesday, uh, brand deals. So companies pay me to talk about their product or service. And then the last one is affiliate. So every business is going to have different kind of revenue streams. And if you have an education business or creator business, you're probably gonna have a couple of different coaching maybe, you're probably gonna have a couple of different streams more similar to this. So you might have a course, you might have coaching, you might have sponsorship, blah, 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 blah. Now, if you have an agency or a service business where you are client facing, more often than not, your revenue streams are going to be the specific clients or the specific projects. And the idea here is if you do not have <laughs> the data in front of you about how much money you're making in your business. And listen, I was this way for a long time. I didn't pay attention to this. It is really difficult to make informed decisions about how your business is working and what's actually moving the needle and what's not. So before anything else, number one is breaking out, okay, where's all my different revenue streams coming from? Now, the second thing that I like to do is a little kind of runway cash flow analysis. And what that means is it is telling me how much cash do we have in the bank? What are my regular recurring monthly expenses, which are going to be things like paying freelancers, paying contractors, paying for software, um, any other miscellaneous bills that are coming in. And what that allows me to do is create what I call a runway calculation. Um, and it is like a calculation that tells me if I were to make zero money in my business, if I was only taking the money that is either in the bank in cash or is receivable, so like for things like payment plans or outstanding invoices or stuff like that, how much runway do I have in my business? And the beauty of calculating your runway in your business is it allows you to get a better perspective on how much time you have to play with. So like right now for Work Less LLC, I have about seven months 
of runway without touching any of my savings at all. Um, so that means that this business can pay for all of my personal expenses that I need in order to live at my current kind of burn rate, which is what I call it, as well as um, all of the company expenses. So if I were to just draw down the account, um, it would take about seven months before we <laughs> hit zero without anything new coming in. All right. So that's a really important number because so often, and I've, I'm really guilty of this, um, we make decisions in business from a place of scarcity and we feel like, okay, if I'm not constantly bringing in cash right, right away, right now, um, you know, my business is going to go out of business or whatever and understanding how much runway I have in the business is really useful because it allows me to think more long-term and to really get out of that reactive mindset and into this kind of longer term planning mindset where I know like, Hey, if I try something new or if I experiment or things don't go as I projected, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen? And right now my business is telling me, okay, you know, we could make it all the way until May of 2024 without bringing in any more cash. So that's a really, really good place to be in. Not to mention that isn't including anything um, on just the saving side, right? In my personal life, all the the finances, the money that we've saved over the years, which is just like in cash or in investments that is available in kind of a worse case scenario. So I find that it's helpful to have clarity on this and whether you have a runway that is kind of long, like, you know, over six months or whether you only have a runway of a month or two, you need to know this information so that you can make decisions that allow you to be kind of taken care of. Um, the other reason that I do this calculation is it helps me to understand how much cash I have available to deploy into my business to invest back into my business. So one of the things we talk about in How to Work Less all the time is spending money to buy time and investing your money back into your business. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the ways that I'm gonna be doing that during this sprint. Um, but before I can decide where to invest money back into my business, uh, I need to know how much I have to safely deploy without jeopardizing any, you know, of my ability to pay for all my current expenses, the software, you know, contractors that I work with, um, you know, my bills, all that stuff. Um, and I have a pretty nice chunk available to deploy. And right now it's kind of just sitting there, you know, <laughs> collecting dust. Um, so we're going to talk about how I can spend some of that money to free up my time in this business specifically so that my time is spent more on things that move the needle as opposed to just the regular day-to-day -day, like maintenance tasks of my business. So once you have your revenue calculated, written down somewhere, and you have a better understanding of, you know, what's your cash flow, what's your runway, and there's some more information about this stuff. If you want the actual equations that I talk about, I have an Instagram post about this that I published not too long ago. I will see if we can grab the link in the show notes and that'll give you the actual equations for this stuff. Um, but the next thing that I do is what I call an 80-20 analysis of the business. This is when I talk to people who've taken how to work less in the past, probably the most impactful exercise that for many people that they do. And what the 80-20 analysis of the business does is it shows the relationship between revenue generated and time spent as the business owner. So you can start to get a better understanding of where which things are moving the needle so for however many hours i put into my business you know which which things are are moving the needle and making a lot of money for me and which things aren't and what a lot of people find with their business is the clients that they think are making them a lot of money are not nearly as profitable as they think they are and sometimes there are just a small handful of projects or clients that are really really moving the needle and so I do this 80-20 analysis on a regular basis in my agency. I have done it basically every month 
for a really long time. And it's just always a good litmus test to understand like what matters and what doesn't. And I think this 80-20 analysis was really telling for me um, because I am always of the mind that simple is better. And a lot of times by society and just by the way that we think, we think, oh, it's a bad idea to leave money on the table, right? You hear all the time, don't leave money on the table. And I'm here to tell you that if you want to run a business where you are not working 24 seven, you need to leave money on the table. And the example I'm gonna give you now is how I'm gonna be leaving some money on the table in my business in order to move the needle and double down on the things that I feel are most important. And if you wanna hear more about this topic, I have another podcast episode called Diversification is Distraction that you can check out that goes into detail on that. Um, We'll also link to that in the show notes. Um, So I did the 80-20 analysis and basically what I found after looking at the five areas of my business, I have the course, I have the brand deals, I have coaching, I have work Us Wednesday, and I have affiliate marketing. And what I found was the course, How to Work Less, is taking up, is generating 86% of the revenue in the business. So for context, year to date, right now it's October when I did this, year to date, this business has brought in $358,000 in revenue. And the course was 86% of that. So when we're talking about the efforts that are really moving the needle, it it is the course and it's not even close. So the course basically brought in by itself over $300,000 with nothing else, no other parts of the business, just the course over 300K. And it takes me three months out of 12 to fulfill this. Um, So when we talk about like what's really moving the needle, it was pretty clear for me right up front that the course is where it's at. And the beauty of the course is that for better or for worse, it is mostly scalable. Now, if I were to get uh, like a ton of students in, a lot of the systems that we have would break. That's pretty natural. But right now I could pretty confidently double or triple the amount of students that are enrolled each cohort with the systems that we have without things breaking in a meaningful way. So the students would still get really great results. And that is honestly the first data point that we're going to be talking about as I go into this third sprint. Um, But let's talk about the other financial things. So what's next on the list is brand deals. So brand deals are basically when companies reach out to me for sponsorships. Um, I've done brand deals with a couple of pretty pretty cool brands this year, um, but it really runs the gamut. You know, you have some brands that just don't have the budget and you end up spending a lot of time emailing back and forth and coordinating with them and it's just not a fit. And then on the other side of the coin, we have some brand deals that were insanely, insanely profitable. We're talking about five figure deals that only took a couple of hours of work <laughs> to put together. So. My lesson here is how can I focus on the deals that are really good, that aren't going to move the needle um, while weeding out the things that are a distraction and that take up a ton of time. And one of the ways that I'm going to be implementing this and kind of one of the decisions that I've made is I am going to be setting a minimum rate for brand deals. And the same way that I talk about for my agency, I have a minimum rate for working with us, which is $60,000 in the agency, for brand deals, my minimum rate is going to be $10,000. And the beauty of this is it's going to allow both me and my team to spend less time talking and negotiating with companies who are never going to be able to afford what we charge and spend a lot more time focused on the very tiny couple who are a great fit, right? Who are companies that I think are perfectly aligned with my audience, who maybe I use their products already and only focusing on them. So that's gonna mean way less deals, but hopefully higher higher rate of return. And to be honest, these brand deals only made up 10% of the revenue for the entire year. So if I were, were a 
coaching myself, I would maybe even say, listen, you know, this is only 10% of your revenue. It's really not what's moving the needle. If you could just get, um, I don't know, five or 10 more students each cohort, it would pay for this completely. So that's why I am setting the minimum rate on the brand deals and basically turning down everything else there. Now, the 80-20 analysis of my business also brought in a lot of really, really important insights about some of the other activities that I am doing in the business that are not moving the needle. And the reason that we do this exercise is so that I can remove things that are distractions that seem like a good idea, but really aren't. And for me, the three areas where I am going to be taking a step back from because their ROI is not there are going to be newsletter sponsorships, affiliate marketing, and coaching. And you've heard me talk about that one-on-one -on -one coaching is something that I've been stepping back from. You know, you heard me say, all right, I'm moving it off of my website. And, um, you know, I removed it from my website and then I limited it to only graduates of how to work less. And while I still am going to be offering it, um, it is not going to be part of my business. I'm kind of going to be considering it just like a small add-on that I do mainly to maintain relationships and to help people that are students or people that I like. Um, but it's not going to be something that I am planning my week around. And the reason for that is in order to do coaching well, even though you know I charge $500 for a session, in order to do coaching well, it requires a lot of energy and a lot of focus. Um, and you really need to treat the other person's business like it is your own. And what I found is just wholly unscalable. So if I schedule two to three coaching calls in a day, I am fried by the end of it. Because if I'm doing a good job, I am 100% in and we are in problem solving mode. And most people think, oh, you know, don't you just get on a Zoom call and talk for an hour and they pay you for it. And that is only if you're doing <laughs> a bad job. Um, so I'm going to be stepping back from coaching because when I did the financial analysis, it is just not moving the needle. It brought in 3% of the revenue for my business in this year to date. And uh, it takes up a lot of time. There's just a lot of other stuff that goes around with it. Follow-up emails, scheduling, sending out links, stuff like that. Um, and I find that usually on the days where I have coaching sessions booked, my energy, I'm, I'm not able to do other deep work. That tends to take the place of the deep work. And if I'm only trying to work like four or five hours a day, that coaching can take up time really fast. So previous episodes, you heard me talk about dropping it from my website. You can see it's not on there anymore to the general public. And that is why. So that's a perfect example of where I'm trying to leave money on the table in order to focus on a vehicle that is going to be much, much more profitable. And the way to put this all in context is if I am able, for instance, as an example, to just double the amount of students that take How to Work Less next year, just double it. It's not going to take me any more of my time to fulfill that. I'm going to spend the exact same amount of time teaching the course and my revenue will basically go from 310000 to 620000 provided we don't increase the price, which we probably will because we have every single time. Um, so there is a part of my business where if I spend all of my energy there, I can effectively double my revenue with no more work. Meanwhile, coaching, for instance, is not scalable. You spend an hour on it and you get paid and then that's it. There, There is no long-term returns on it. And I'm also applying that mindset to two other parts of my business, which you've heard me talk about before and I've experimented with, which are going to be newsletter sponsorships. I at the bottom of Workless Wednesday, have been accepting sponsorships. People pay me $500 to access the 23,000 as of right now. People who read Workless Wednesday, you've seen the sponsorships on there. While I considered it to be, you know, it's, it's good money, you know, people would say, all you have to do is paste um, someone's message at the top of your email and they pay you $500. What's there, what's wrong with that? And 
my experience has been that all of these other things that aren't the one thing that is really moving the needle, which is the course, are just distractions. So while it seems like a really good idea to do these newsletter sponsorships because it's quote unquote free money or easy money or whatever, there's a lot of things that go into it. So you spend your time chasing your sponsors, making sure that they submit the content, editing their copy, setting up the tools, sending reports, processing payments, emailing back and forth. And at the end of the day, these newsletter sponsorships brought in less than 1% of the total revenue for my business in 2023. And I just think about all the energy that I've spent and expended answering questions, you know, especially like, you know, even talking to people who don't end up purchasing a sponsorship. And it just doesn't make sense. It's just an area where it doesn't move the needle. And another example of that is affiliate marketing. Um, Affiliate marketing is basically, you know, companies give you links to promote their products. The link has your name in it, and they give you a little commission for each um, person who sells. And it seems like passive income. It seems like a really good idea, but it doesn't move the needle. Um, Less than 1% of the revenue in my business based on kind of the revenue focus is from affiliate marketing. And while all it takes is really posting links in strategic places, it is not truly passive. And the reason that I wanna get away from affiliate marketing as well as newsletter sponsorships um, and as well as sponsorships that aren't above my minimum rate is because these things all take up mental energy. So for instance, when the email comes in from you know X brand that says, hey, you know your payout for um, September is ready. Why don't you go check on it? What I do is I have to go in, log into the portal, look at the portal, look at the stats. And there's just a lot of cognitive load and a lot of mental energy that you don't think about that is spent on things that really do not matter, right? We're talking about less than 1% of my entire business. Um, so I am always trying to create the simplest business possible. And these types of things, Okay, the work plus Wednesday sponsorship, the affiliate, they're not moving the needle. So I would rather like sponsor effectively my own newsletter and pay for the entire cost of newsletter hosting, which by the way, if you didn't know, is expensive. You know, we pay thousands of dollars every month just to maintain our email newsletter and send it on ConvertKit. Um, But it just makes everything more simple because as I'm going into Sprint 3, when I don't have to worry about newsletter sponsorships, I don't have to worry about brand deals unless you know it's maybe just a small one or two every quarter that are super profitable and make sense from a financial perspective. Um, because some of the brand deals were absolute home runs in terms of ROI, just a small couple of hours for five figure payments. Like that makes sense for me. Um, but all of the other stuff, doesn't and it takes up mental space and it takes up energy. So after doing this 80-20 analysis, and I encourage you to do this in your business on a regular basis, either every month or once a quarter, whenever you go and sit down, look at the relationship between time spent and revenue earned for each of your different revenue streams or each of your different clients or projects. And what you're gonna find is there are some that perform way, 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 way better than others. And your goal is to drop the ones that are underperforming and double down on the ones that are performing. So this big piece of data that I earned from this, that I learned from this in Sprint 3 and kind of getting clarity on the business is that the course is the way forward for the business. If I can stop doing everything else and focus all of my energy on a really, really simple goal, which is just increasing the amount of students that take the course. So doubling the number of students that enroll, like let's say in the next cohort, um, I can double my business without any additional work because we've built the entire infrastructure for this course now. Like it is 100% validated. The results are there. The systems are built. The team is in place. All the stuff is dialed in. And it's really just a matter now of how can I devote the time that I spend on this business towards the goal of inviting more students to enroll, improving the marketing, improving the conversion, helping people understand the value of the program, 
and helping more people in the course. And if all I do is focus on that one area, right? This is what we talk about, just creating the, the simplest possible version of your business. And for me, the KPI is, well, KPI is key performance indicator. The, the goal is simple. If I can double students, the business doubles. And I spend a lot less time focused on all of these other distractions that seem like a good idea because they make money. But really, there's only one thing that actually matters, and that's how to work less. So that was the key insight from this sprint. And the way that I start every one of these sprints is really just by asking myself, all right, what's going on in the business? Where's the money coming from? How are we spending our energy? How are we deploying our time? How are we deploying our resources? And we do this through the 80-20 analysis and the runway calculation. Okay, so now moving on to the next part that I wanna talk about. And like I said, this is gonna be either a two or a three-parter. So I think I'm gonna start this lesson really talking about just diagnosing the problem. And I think that we have diagnosed it. And the problem for the business for, for this sprint and the thing that we want to solve is doubling enrollment. If we can do that, everything else is taken care of. Um, but there is one other piece to this puzzle that needs to be addressed. And it is me spending my time in a way where I am working on what I call in the business growth tasks. And growth tasks are the things that actually move the needle for growing your business as opposed to maintenance tasks, which are the things that you need to do in order to just keep your business at the same level. Um, I believe in the episode of my podcast called Eight Systems I Use in My Business, I talk about this concept in detail so you can reference that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but my idea here is that um, there are a small handful of tasks that I am realizing are not a good use of my time. And it's not that there's anything wrong with them, but there are just tasks that I've been handling that I shouldn't be doing. And the big challenge that I'm running into right now and where the big time bottleneck for me, which is where I can free up some time and spend some money to buy back my time is on the content side of things. So this business is content driven at its core. The way that customers and followers come into the door is through content. And what that means is social media, it means the weekly newsletter, and it means the podcast. And I've got these parameters because I want to run the business that I want to run, which is a lifestyle business that like, I'm not really trying to work more than 20 hours a week. And right now, when I've kind of done the time audit and looked at it on an average week, content is taking up about 50% of the week. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that I should be trying to outsource my thinking um, because the reason that this business exists is predicated on my thinking, my writing, how I think about business, my approach to it. So that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. I, I think that there are some parts of the business that I could never outsource because it is, it's me, right? Um, that is the, the gift and the curse of a business that is built around your personal brand. So I'm not trying to hire someone to write Work Less Wednesday for me. I would never do that. I'm not trying to hire someone to outline my podcast for me. But where we do have some time, so Work Less Wednesday for context takes two hours a week. The, this podcast takes about two hours a week. And I'm really streamlined with this. If I, to reference that systems episode again, when I talk about the systems in my business, all I do for Work Less Wednesday is I write it. And all I do for this podcast is I write it and I record it. Everything after that is already taken care of by my team. So my time input is as limited as humanly possible. And I'm only focused on the part where my unique contribution takes place, right? My zone of genius. Um, but I have some areas on social media, which is like the top of the funnel or the place where people go to discover me, namely Instagram and to a lesser extent, um, Twitter and threads, but mostly Instagram is where people go to find me. And I 
have noticed that I am getting bogged down in content creation um, where I already have, like there's, there's two pieces to content as, as far as I think of it. Um, there is coming up with the new ideas and insights, which is like what I do on the podcast. Like every week I'm talking about something new that I'm coming up with on a regular basis. And then there is the distillation of that into digestible social media content. Um, and what I found is that I'm spending too much time distilling as opposed to coming up with the ideas and coming up with the new information. And, you know, the foundation of my course and the foundation of this podcast and the weekly newsletter is the ideas. It's not so much the distillation. Um, and as I get into the kind of summarizing things that I've already said, I consider that to be a task that is ripe for spending money to buy time and to grow my business. So I've identified this area where if I can get someone to take content that is mine, right? My original ideas, things like the podcast, things like Work Less Wednesday, and turn that into top of funnel content. So Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Um, I don't have to do that work anymore um, because I, it, it's at the gray area, right? Like I think my value is is comes from the new ideas as so much, not so much like the polishing. And I, you know, one of the ways I want to start spending money to buy back time is by bringing on a writer. Um, so you'll see in Work Less Wednesday this week, I am actively hiring for that role to work with a freelancer or contractor to, for instance, like what I would like to see is take this podcast, for instance, or a previous podcast episode, and then we just turn it into an Instagram thread um, or a Twitter thread or a series of tweets or things like that. Like I'm coming up with a bunch of new ideas and insights every week, and I could fill up my entire schedule repurposing those into different pieces of content, but I think that I could hire a highly skilled digital writer in order to assist me with that. Um, so while I spend my time coming up with new stuff, um, we then take that and repurpose it across platforms so that I don't need to do it. Um, so I would much rather be in a situation where I am focused on writing Work Less Wednesday, doing one podcast, and writing one brand new piece of long-form social media content per week. And then everything else is repurposed from previous stuff that I've written, as well as new stuff that I'm coming up on that week. So turning the podcast into other pieces of content. Um, and what that's going to do for me is going to help me get back to the goal of spending much more time working on the business as opposed to in the business. And as I've developed kind of a style with how I talk online, my writing style, um, I think it makes sense at this point to free up my time in this area and invest a little bit of time um, in growing the team on the writing side of things so that I have more time to do podcast and be the owner of the business like I talk about in How to Work Less. So number one area where I'm thinking about spending money to buy time is working with a writer and scaling up that process. I have had incredible success working with animators um, for delegating social media content. I think going through my kind of tested and true process that I follow for um, my agency is going to really yield to great results. So if you are someone who is good at writing and um, ideally has built a social media audience before and wants to take the insights from this podcast and turn them into content for other platforms, check out Work Less Wednesday on Wednesday. Um, there'll be an opportunity to work with me there. Okay. Other side of things. Um, another part of the content side of the business, which is right now taking up about nine hours a week, is streamlining and getting really dialed in on our content system. Um, and we have a really good system between me and my assistant right now. But one of the things that I wanted to double down on and improve on is building out a content backlog so that we are always way, way ahead of the curve. And my ideal dream here 
is to have a month-long backlog of content where all of the social media content is scheduled out for an entire month and really turning final ownership over to my assistant um, so that I am really just taking an hour once a month to approve everything. Um, you know, for better or for worse, I've been getting my hands dirty with um, manipulating scheduling and just like probably taking a little bit too much ownership of the calendar. And I feel like that's an area where I can easily let that go and turn that over to my assistant so that all I have to do is give final approval. And, you know, the goal here is to, at the end of the sprint, have the system in place for a month backlog of all of the content that drives this business. So the social media, um, probably maybe at one, one to two podcast episodes, if we can help it, um, work less Wednesday, just kind of building up an evergreen backlog and getting to the point where we don't have to be as reactive about content. Cause if, if you are running a business where content is part of it and you don't have to, you know, my agency doesn't rely on content at all for getting customers. Um, it's all mainly through word of mouth and network and, and referrals and things like that. But there is nothing worse than waking up and realizing that you need to put together a piece of content because today's post needs to go out. And I think that as the business owner, um, and it's someone who really wants to focus on working on the business, not in it. That for me is kind of a sign of failure or that I'm not doing what I need to do. Um, because then either I have to make the decision. I have two decisions. One, I say content isn't important and I don't do it because I need to work on my business stuff. When in reality, content is important, right? It's a big part of the business. Or I have to say content is important. And whatever I was planning on doing is less important. And usually what I'm planning on doing is the growth tasks, the working in the business, whether it's building systems or kind of, you know, developing something new or working on the business. Um, so the goal here is to have a backlog of content. So on a day-to-day -day basis, I am never in a situation where we're like, oh shit, we've run through the entire backlog and, um, content needs to be written or generated or repurposed today. So that's a really big goal for us. And I think it's a standard that with systems we can easily put together um, and we'll create uh, a lot less stress on the business. All right. I'm also thinking about deploying money to buy back my time um, in a couple of other areas, which we're, we're potentially experimenting with um, around working on sales emails, rewriting landing pages, and um, turning this podcast into YouTube videos. These are all ideas. Um, obviously, I mentioned it earlier in the episode that I have some money to play with, and this could be a good way to reinvest into the business. But sometimes there's just too many things, right? And even though I can hire someone to do this stuff, um, I'm better off spending the money to hire people to take things off of my plate as opposed to go out and do new things. So the video editor and the YouTube, for instance, right? We're not doing that right now. So that would be bringing on someone to start an entirely new initiative in the business. Whereas working with someone together with me to rewrite the landing page and rewrite sales emails is something that I do. So I would be buying back my time and freeing up my time there. So we'll see about that. And as I'm going into the part two of this saga and part three of this saga, um, I want to leave you with some questions that I'm going to be asking myself and what I'm going to be doing this week in order to start to get more perspective and clarity around this number one goal that we've identified, which is, okay, what does it take in order to double enrollment in How to Work Less? The course is perfect, in my opinion. I mean, it, we improve at every cohort. The results are there. Our students are insanely happy. 100% of the students that took it um, would recommend it to a friend. I, You can read the reviews, learn.howtoworkless.com. I think that the product is there. And now it's just about building a system that allows 
more students to come in and understand the value of it, understand what the program's all about, how it can benefit them. And I think those are kind of the existential questions that I want to talk about in part two and part three, if it ends up existing. Um, so one of the ways that I always kind of get recentered and refocused during these sprints is I like to sit down and have conversations with people in my network with experts. You know, you've heard me discuss that I think spending money to get expertise from other people is one of the most underrated ways <laughs> to grow a business. Um, so I have a bunch of one-on-one -on -one calls this week. Um, to get perspective and clarity on things related to the business. Um, so I'm going to be sitting down with my team, uh, my course manager, uh, my automations expert, who also helps us with the email course and all of the behind the scenes systems and automations that run the business so that I don't have to do anything, as well as some trust trusted contractors that I'm going to be paying for their um, expertise, um, a course consultant, a copywriter. We're going to sit down and try to kind of diagnose and come up with a solution for solving this problem. Um, so as I'm going into this upcoming week and having these conversations, including one that I'm gonna be having shortly later today, um, I wanna come up with a plan for Sprint 3 to reach this goal. So we have clarity on where the business is, what's the goal, what's gonna move the needle, and now it's about creating an action plan and a series of steps to implement it. And I think that's where I'm going to leave us. So if you are thinking about your own business and applying this stuff to what you're doing, I encourage you to get crystal clear on where your financials are in your business. Do the 80-20 analysis, which you, uh, you know, I'll link to the Instagram post that talks about how to do it. Um, and we do an entire lesson on this in How to Work Less if you want more clarity. And we actually go through it together and there's a homework assignment around it. It's pretty cool. Um, but the goal here is you want to get clear on which revenue streams or which clients are moving the needle, which are creating outsized returns for the amount of time that you invest and which things are not. And really be deliberate and ruthless about dropping the things that don't. So you're seeing me making these calls to drop the sponsorship for the newsletter, to drop the affiliate marketing, to drop the coaching even more, um, to set a limit on the brand deals so that when I wake up and I say, I'm going to work on the business today, I know that I am really singly focused on one objective. And that if I just do that, um, everything is going to work out. So yeah, that is, uh, that is, this sprints strategy. Um, next two episodes, we'll go into how I'm thinking about implementing it. Um, maybe I'll talk about some of the conversations that I had. And uh, yeah, I hope this was super, super helpful. I love talking about my business. If you see anything or you know any ideas for me, <laughs> feel free to reach out. I'm always open to feedback from the listeners. And uh, yeah, so like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we are very soon going to be opening up early bird enrollment for cohort six of How to Work Less. Um, it's our best deal. You can save $1,000 off the full price of the course, but you will not get the offer unless you're on the list in advance. So if you are considering joining us in January 2024, it's a great time to work on your business. Go to learn.howtoworkless.com, enter your email in there. And when the time comes, you will receive an email from me with everything that you need to know. All right. As always, do me a favor, rate this thing five stars, drop me a review. Let me know what you thought about the episode. Let me know if you like these kind of behind the scenes style episodes, if you like other types of episodes, and we will meet back next week for part two. All right. Have a great week.